You're listening to Finding Fortitude, a podcast that aims to help former athletes take good care of their minds and bodies through sustainable, evidence-based health habits. I'm your host, Dr. Tori Williams, a physical therapist, coach, and fellow former athlete who is ready to be part of the change in healthcare and who is on a mission to learn and share about all things health and well-being so that you can be equipped with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. As a reminder, nothing shared on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Let's get started. Well, hello there, and welcome back to another episode of Finding Fortitude. Today, I have a few things in mind that I want to talk with you about. The first is, who is a former athlete? What is a former athlete? Who am I talking about when I say that I work with former athletes? We're going to dive into that a little bit. The second thing I want to discuss is what it means to build fortitude as a former athlete, and why I think that's important. And then I'm going to finish the episode by telling you about an exciting opportunity that is coming up in April, where you'll be able to get some support with building said fortitude if you need it, which I'm really excited to share about. So stick around for the end of the episode for that. So Honestly, the term former athlete is something that I've personally struggled with for a while now. And when I was starting my business, I wasn't sure if using the term would really resonate with the right people. I was afraid that too many people would either discount themselves from that term or demographic because they either didn't play at an elite level like D1 collegiate or professional level Or they would discount themselves because perhaps they still participate in sports recreationally or they still consider themselves an athlete and they like to stay in shape and they're still holding on to that part of themselves in one way or another. So I want to kick off this episode by really plainly defining who a former athlete is. And I'm going to start by borrowing a definition that I first heard from my friend and fellow former athlete turned coach, Ashley Berry who I'll be interviewing in the next episode. At its core, an athlete is someone who makes a commitment to moving their body with the intention of completing a goal or task. And I agree wholeheartedly with that definition. Some of you might be hearing that and going, okay, well, isn't that basically everyone? And you'd be right. There is a camp of individuals in the health and fitness space that believe that everyone should be considered an athlete and that we should treat everyone as such. Because whether your goal is to run a marathon or be able to get out of bed in the morning or get off the toilet or play with your kids or grandkids, all of those things require you to move your body in a certain way to complete a task. And so I do think that many people will probably be able to gain something by listening to this podcast or by consuming my content in general. And that's awesome. I really do hope that lots of people benefit from the information and resources that I provide. However, what I've learned over the past several years is that if you try talking to everyone, you end up talking to no one. So I'm going to take this definition of former athlete a step further so that it really lands for the people who I think will benefit from the information in this podcast the most. 
So a former athlete is someone who has previously made a commitment to moving their body with the intention of completing a goal or task. But they're also someone who has more than likely identified themselves by their sport or activity at some point. Like at some point you might have told someone, I'm a softball player. I'm a runner. I'm a basketball player. I'm a golfer. I'm a climber. I'm a dancer. You get the point. Whatever your sport or activity was that you committed to, you felt like it was part of who you were as a person. And now, maybe you don't identify yourself by that particular sport or activity anymore. Maybe you've started to consider and explore other areas in your life, other hobbies, activities, or parts of your identity. Maybe you've started embracing your role in your career or your relationships. And maybe you're still figuring out exactly who you are outside of your sport, which is also absolutely okay and something we'll definitely talk about in this podcast. I think all former athletes go through at least one oh shit moment. Uh, Like what now? when their identity is shifting from a certain sport or activity and they move to the next phase of their life. And I think this deserves to be acknowledged regardless of the age or competitive level at which you retired from your sport. So because I think a lot of people like to discount themselves from the former athlete category, let me also be clear about what being a former athlete does not mean. Being a former athlete does not mean that you had to play a Division I, semi-pro, pro, or Olympic sport. It can mean that, like I just said, but it doesn't have to. I played softball for one year in junior college, and I still consider myself a former athlete. Being a former athlete also doesn't mean that you don't still exercise or enjoy sports or physical activities, or that you aren't a competitor It doesn't mean that you don't have the capacity to be athletic anymore, although you may or may not feel some type of way about that at the present moment. And if you're someone who's still on the fence about this, I think the other factor that's important to recognize here is that the longer you're outside of your particular sport or activity that you identified yourself by, and as you move into new phases of your life and adopt other roles and lean into other parts of your identity, maybe you have kids, maybe you start a new career, we start to feel less and less like an athlete. That part of our lives sometimes starts to feel so distant that our memory of what it was like to be an athlete gets fuzzy or vague. So you might feel at this point like you're a quote-unquote normal person. But here's the deal. Whether you're six months, five years, or 20 plus years out of sport, you probably still have an athlete mindset in one way or another. And there's a good chance you might have some high achieving, perfectionist, people pleasing, all or nothing tendencies that you may have at least in part picked up from sport. And if you're like any of the former athletes I've seen in my work as a physical therapist, you probably also have some degree of difficulty with how your body has changed since being an athlete and some degree of shame when comparing your current self to your prior athlete self. On top of all of this, 
You might now experience challenges with how to feed yourself, how to fit in consistent exercise in a way that you actually enjoy, how to manage pain and injury, especially from old athletic injuries that kind of come back to haunt you, and how to adopt sustainable health habits in general that fit your current lifestyle. So that is who I'm talking about when I say I work with former athletes, and that is who my podcast and my content are aimed towards. And that brings me to my next point, which is what it means to build fortitude as a former athlete, how to do that, and why it's important. So I'm going to repeat the definition of fortitude that I mentioned at the end of the last episode, which is strength of mind and body that enables a person to endure pain or adversity with courage. I think when a lot of former athletes hear this, they might think about mental or physical toughness, right? Like as an athlete, we wanted to be perceived as tough. That was something that was rewarded. And I do think there are some very positive adaptations that come from learning to be tough, like the idea of being resilient or gritty or even learning composure or emotional regulation in tough times. But I think there's also a huge detriment to mental health that can occur when this idea of toughness ends up excluding vulnerability and when emotions are not honored or acknowledged in some way and when adequate support is not provided. Because as it turns out, simply ignoring our thoughts and emotions in the name of being tough isn't so helpful in the long run. It's actually dehumanizing. So for me, the idea of building fortitude goes beyond mental or physical toughness. Going back to that definition, the key part to me is about bearing pain or adversity with courage. And if there are any Brene Brown fans out there, which I hope there are because you're my people, you know that we can't have courage without vulnerability. In fact, Brene says that courage is born out of vulnerability. And when vulnerability is happening, it usually means there's some form of uncertainty, risk, or emotional exposure involved. So that alone makes fortitude very different from the toughness that we often champion in athletes. We've been seeing a big movement in bringing awareness to athlete mental health over the past several years, which is amazing and also so overdue because there's this culture in athletics around being tough and being the best, and it's toxic to athlete mental health. And what I really think athletes need to be taught is not just toughness, it's fortitude. It's the ability to persevere not by silencing our thoughts and emotions and pretending they don't exist, but by acknowledging them and owning them and practicing the skill of sitting with the suck and sitting with uncertainty, which then helps us embrace our humanity rather than denying it. And this doesn't mean there's not a place for being tough or being resilient or composure or emotional regulation. It means that we aren't shamed for having a hard time and made to feel weak or less than. And it empowers us to reach out for help and support when we need it and come together in communities where we're heard and understood. 
And in my experience, this becomes especially important when we're dealing with pain and injuries. There are so many misconceptions around toughness and pain and quote unquote having a high pain tolerance or this whole idea behind no pain, no gain. As an athlete, the last thing you want to do is appear weak or fragile or sensitive. In fact, we even teach ourselves to expect pain and that if you're not hurting, you're probably not working hard enough. And unfortunately, these undertones often continue in life after sport and can make the management of pain a bit more challenging because we have these unhelpful beliefs really ingrained into us from a young age. Not to mention the fact that pain really challenges your identity, particularly when it keeps you from being active and doing the things that you love. And so with that, a lot of former athletes carry around a lot of shame associated with their pain. Uh, And I find this to be especially true for those who experience chronic pain. And that's why I think it's so important for us to be invited into spaces where it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to talk about our experiences, and it's okay to reach out for help. This is one of the many ways in which we can start to build fortitude. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How, how can we build fortitude? What does this mean? Uh, what does this look like practically? And so we can really split this into two different contexts, but they really end up merging together either way. So the first context is in the context of pain. For most people, that involves first gaining an understanding of where your pain comes from and all of the factors that influence it. And then we address some of those factors, which you may be thinking, well, no, duh, Tori, but stick with me here. In the process, we also aim to cultivate self-compassion and empathy, which are truly necessary skills for being able to overcome chronic pain. In doing this, what happens is we also equip ourselves with the tools to endure future instances of pain and injury with more confidence and clarity. But this is also where we start to merge with the other context of building fortitude, which is in regard to your general health and well-being. Believe it or not, the same strategies, which I would recommend to anyone looking to manage chronic pain and build fortitude in that context are also the same strategies that are going to help you improve your health and well-being. They're also the same strategies that are going to help you reduce your risk for chronic disease and illness and injury. And to be clear, what I mean by chronic disease and illness are things like diabetes, heart disease, certain cancers, certain neurological conditions, stroke, conditions that we know are often associated with lifestyle factors and are largely preventable if we all had access to the same resources and care, right? Which I realize is a big if. And if you're someone listening to this going, well, what about the social determinants of health? Trust me, we're going to get into that in future episodes. But I'm really on a mission to inform people of this link between things that help manage pain are also things that make you healthier and improve your well-being. 
I want to be clear to not have folks inverse this relationship and say, okay, so you're saying that if I'm having pain that I'm not healthy or I'm not well. And while some people may identify with that and go, yep, okay, I've had chronic pain. I do not feel healthy or well. We see a correlation in people who also have chronic diseases and some of the preventable diseases I just discussed also have chronic pain. But that does not mean that chronic disease or illness causes chronic pain or that by having chronic pain, it means that you are unhealthy and unwell. No, 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 no. That's not how pain works. I'm going to discuss more about the specifics of pain in future episodes uh, and where it comes from and why. But for now, trust me when I say the method in which something improves does not inform the cause. Unfortunately, humans are far too complex for this. But we do know that the things that help you improve your health and well-being also help you manage pain. And I know that sounds like a bit of a conundrum, but here we are. Episode two, we're already getting deep into the weeds and the nuance, okay? That is what I love about building fortitude, especially when it comes to the context of pain management and rehab, because my goal for all of the people that I work with is not to just get you out of pain. I want you to live your best damn life. I want you to thrive and live a fulfilling life where you can do the things that you love and be active and be as healthy as you can be and have longevity. Ooh, I got fired up there. So let's wrap things up by talking about what exactly these strategies are that help us build fortitude. And you honestly already know these things because they're the basics. It's sleep, nutrition, Exercise, physical activity, stress management, mental health and social health, and mindset. These are the big rocks that we need to consider when we're building fortitude. And that's whether we're viewing this in a pain management context or just a general health and well-being context. Now, these are simple, right? But we know simple does not mean easy. It can be challenging to really execute the basics on a consistent basis, especially in the society we live in where we're taught that everyone and everything should come before our own self-care. And these basics also get more challenging when you learned first how to take care of yourself based on what you needed to do to be a quote-unquote good athlete, which, newsflash, How we take care of ourselves changes in different phases of our life, not to mention a lot of those things that we learned as athletes for taking care of ourselves when it comes to like nutrition and exercise and certainly pain management are dysfunctional and not helpful. So I promised that at the end of this episode, I would be providing an opportunity for you to get some support with building fortitude. And I'm really excited to share with you a group coaching program that I've been working on developing for a while now called Former Athlete Fortitude. I have gathered a rock-solid group of multidisciplinary coaches to cover the topics of nutrition, fitness, stress management, and more 
in order to address those rocks that I had mentioned previously and to give you the support and resources as well as the space to finally just be fully seen and heard as a whole human um, in order to manage pain more effectively and live your best life, as corny as that may sound. (laughs) So those of you who have followed me for a while uh, or have been in the Fortitude community may know that I ran a beta version of this program last fall. And we've been able to take some of the feedback that we received from the participants from the beta round of the program to really turn this into the best online health and wellness resource for former athletes. This time around, we've really focused on creating more opportunities for connection. And this includes the coaches who are also former athletes themselves. So the program is set up to be six weeks long, uh, and you'll have one major theme or topic per week that will include some short educational modules to watch. And then you'll have one live coaching call per week with each of the coaches um, where you'll have the opportunity to ask questions and interact with the other members and really get the support you need with the specific health behaviors that you're struggling with the most. And honestly, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in learning more, you can sign up for the waitlist, which you can get to from my website, which I will definitely link in the show notes. Uh, That will be the best place to make sure you don't miss out on any information about the program. And when you are on that waitlist, you will also get first dibs at applying when applications open on April 3rd. And by being on the waitlist, that doesn't mean that you have to sign up for the program. There's no pressure in that way. It just makes sure that you don't miss out on any information about it. Another opportunity that's coming up where you can learn more about the program and just get to know me, some of the other uh, coaches for the program, and some other cool former athletes is to come to our Choose Courage online social and happy hour uh, that we're throwing for former athletes on Sunday, April 2nd at 5 o'clock Pacific time. I realized that coming to an online social where you may not know anyone uh, is probably out of your comfort zone, but that's kind of the point. That's why we called it Choose Courage. Uh, I wanted to offer the opportunity for people to just come hang out and have a drink and meet new people who you no doubt have something in common with and to talk about the importance of social health in life after sport and particularly in the post-COVID world. So if you are interested in joining us for the social, you can go to my Instagram and find the link there. You can send me a DM or an email, and I will also drop the link in the show notes below. Alrighty, that is it for now. I am so grateful that you decided to tune in for episode two, and I hope you stick around for more because I've got some really cool guest episodes coming up next where you will get the chance to get to know these amazing guest coaches that I have decided to bring on for the group coaching program to discuss the topics of fitness, nutrition, and stress management. And I have a good feeling you're going to love them just as much as I do. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and thanks for tuning in. See you next time.